You're listening to the Vocal Fry Podcast, your weekly dash of voice science, pedagogy, and pop culture. Coming to you from the fields of Trenzalore, where the doctor stands. All right, Vocal Fam, we've been wanting to do this episode all year. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we are very excited to have Theodora Nesterova with us on the podcast for the first time, I think. I believe so. And uh, hopefully this will be the first of many. And uh, we've wanted to have her on for some time. Like I said, we're going to talk about some of her work, PhD work on vibrato. Uh, and it's going to be a really fun day. Sarah, how you doing? I'm getting by. I'm, I'm here, right? Gosh. I'm up. I'm awake. I'm moving. <laughs> oh, I'm, a, I'm awake and moving. Uh, that's that's you know not a, that's I'm not a problem. I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Okay, good. Liz, how you doing? I'm good. Good. Yeah, yeah. Liz the good. one. Liz the one that. I Liz wrote her comps yesterday, everybody. We do. So uh, hopefully by next time this week, ne- no, next oh, next this time ne- next week. This time next week. That's how that phrase goes. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Liz will hopefully basically be a master of music. Ooh. We can hope. We can pray. Yay. <laughs> Hopefully it will happen. Uh-huh. Gonna, no, I'm going to ask really hard questions. I'm so excited. Sarah and I are both on her committee, <laughs> yeah. so uh, we'll see how that oral exam goes next Ooh. week. Uh, it'll be great. It'll be great. It'll be great. Okay, so Theodora, welcome to Vocal Fry. <gasps> Thank you. I'm so excited. You don't know, like, this means so much to me. It's like a dream come true. I think I was thinking about it. And I was, I was saying that if you guys ever had Vocal Fry trivia, I'm not saying that I would win. <laughs> But I think I'd be a good contender because I'm. Whoa! <laughs> that's not. A, that's a low-key challenge to anybody out there. I don't know, Yvonne it. Redman. I, yeah, I know, I know you're true. listening. So I know. Uh, imagine if you were on like a team together, like yeah, oh, yeah Yvonne you, and I would win. Trivia team. Yeah, like, if you no. and Yvonne and Ian sat at a table together, <laughs> you would win for sure. We'd win. We totally. Sure. We'd cover all of the bases. We'd win. We're vociferous. You know listeners so that might be the fanciest word we've used on the podcast since transient um uh, anyway so theodora we like i said we we've wanted to do this for a long time tell us a little bit about your journey through this world of voice um and i I mean i will say vocal fam if you don't know this young woman we're talking about someone who is not uh that far along in years and who has accomplished a great deal so um it is our pleasure to have her on our show which which I'm still confused about the fact that people are excited about coming on our show, Sarah. Yeah, I, I know. I don't, I don't, Cause I don't, I'm sitting here like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. So-and-so's coming on. I get to meet so-and-so today. Or, oh, so-and-so's gonna be like, I, I, we're excited too. Strange, or at least I am. Very, very yeah. strange. So tell us about your journey through the world of voice. Sure. Um, well, I love, again, I love listening to the segment because everybody has slightly different pathways. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. what I, I love about, um, about this, this diverse like field that we have. Uh, for me, it was kites, you know, started singing young, um, started singing mostly actually like Bulgarian folk songs. I um, was raised in a Bulgarian family, but I'm a third culture kid, which means you're raised in a different culture than your own, but you live in a third culture. So um, yeah, so I was, I moved around a lot as a kid 
And I, the one thing that always connected me to the different communities that I was in was singing. So whether that was like singing in, in choirs or actually mostly kind of singing, singing solo. So when it came time for me to figure out what I wanted to do for, for next steps for college, that was always the thing that was propelling me was just this love for singing. But always at the back of my mind, because actually singing didn't come naturally to me. Um, and singing came as this thing that, you know, I, I loved and, you know, people told me I was talented, but, but I needed to figure out the, the mechanics of, and I needed to figure out how it worked. And I was more interested sometimes in my voice lessons of asking, okay, but then, so why does this feel this way? And why am I doing, and are you doing this to have me feel this and all these things? So I was, that, that was going in the back of my mind. I started reading vocal pedagogy literature at a really young age, um, probably too young because now that, you know, that's the way I think when I, I when I sing too. I feel such a kindred spirit with yeah? you Because oh. you've just described, I mean, I was not a natural singer at yeah. all. No, 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 no. And I'm oh. still not like, but I, but I love it so much and I love teaching it and I love researching it. And it's this thing that like, is just this phenomenon that I need to figure out or that I, that I and others and our colleagues, you know, would like to figure out because it's such this, this beautiful complex thing. Um, so yeah, and actually my my one of my very first voice teachers in high school, who is still my longtime voice teacher, Dana Lynn Varga, because I was based in Boston at that point. Okay. Um, oh, wow, you worked she, with Dana even in yes, high school. Yeah, yeah, wow, yeah, school. okay. Like I was one of her last first last um, high schoolers. Um, and she instilled this like forge not follow, do your own thing path for me. I knew the music field was difficult from an early age. I knew that I had different interests within it, within singing. I didn't just want to sing. So I decided to go to Oberlin for my undergraduate, um, specifically because it was a college and a conservatory. I had other interests that I wanted to pursue uh, academically as well. And there was this thing called the OBSVAC, the Otto B. Schupfle Vocal Arts Center, which Richard Miller created. I mean, I was there like probably a decade after he, he passed, but um, but it was still there. And when I took a tour, that was the most exciting part of the conservatory to me. And I was like, ooh, lab, cool, <laughs> like playground. Like I can now take what I've been reading um, and maybe apply it. They had this like, I mean, it was like a, 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 just like a moment in time, frozen in time since Richard Miller's passing because the K Pentax like original box was like this big and on the ground. And sure. you know, there was like Voce Vista, like the very early Voce Vista, you know? And so when I went there, I was kind of one of, the, I had a few friends and colleagues that would like dabble up there, but I was usually one of the only ones who was up there practicing, like figuring things out, um, just clicking and going, reading through Richard Miller's manuscripts, like all, all this crazy stuff. Um, and rebooting Voce Vista. Rebooting and, Voce and Vista. Rebooting, oh, sure. And rebooting, rebooting it. Rebooting it, <laughs> not knowing that there was like Voce Vista 3.4, that was the time, yeah, there was still 3.4. 3.3 or 3.4, we were like on Voce Vista like two. <laughs> <What? laughs> Which like you had so... to reboot and reboot exactly. and reboot. Like, I just, uh, I was, you know, exactly. God bless. Yes. So <laughs> I, 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 you know, I stayed but you through. you made it work. I made it work. Um, and then I, um, 
I, I knew that I wanted to pursue this like through, you know, through Oberlin, created student Nats there because I was like, ah. I can't be the only one in this lab. And we'd have our meetings there. And I got at least a few people from, from student Nats um, to, to kind of play with their own voices and bring their practice uh, tapes and bring their lesson tapes up there and, and, and do that. We would do some tours um, for the outside, like, like once a year when, um, when people came, alumni, um, and, and my teacher there, Lorraine Manns, was leading it. So yeah, so then after that, I, I ended up getting a Fulbright for a year, um, studied in Vienna, Austria, at the university there, um, at the Universität. Um, and I was doing my own kind of project. I was really interested in that, that, that started actually from Richard Miller's book, National Schools of Singing. And I, as like an international person, was reading this in the 70s and was like, huh, this was written in the 70s, you know, revised in the 90s, but it's like past that. It's like 20 years yeah. at least past that. So yeah. I think we need, you know, I I, I know from, from colleagues abroad that this is maybe not the case, you know, stereotypes, globalism, all that stuff. So I really wanted to research that and see how teaching was done abroad now and whether there's kind of a new place for a new national schools of singing or international schools of singing. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I went to Vienna, I studied for a year, it was amazing. Um, I met Christian Herbst and we started working on actually um, something that finally is going to be out in print in the Journal of Voice. Um, a, that, that was where kind of my during that time, absorbing all this music in Vienna, like this rich, beautiful cultural city, started this vibrato thread, which I then brought to Ian Howell at NEC after I finished my Fulbright. Never heard um, of him. I know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he thankfully was like, like, yes, let's do it. And we went down this like deep, deep dive of vibrato um, for the two years, despite COVID and everything. And then now I'm here after, you know, graduating my master's vocal pedagogy from there. I'm here at McGill in Montreal doing an interdisciplinary PhD and continuing that vibrato thread. And I'm very excited about it. So Yeah, it's really exciting, actually, the program that you're doing. I mean, mm -hmm. um, you know, vocal fam, if you don't know, um, if you're very siloed in the U.S., McGill is I, I've actually sent grad students to grad school for performance mm -hmm. at mm -hmm. McGill. Um, yeah. My dear student Aaron went went there for his mm -hmm. master's um, back back a number of years before you obviously arrived there. Um, but uh, it's a fine performance school, but it's also a fine academic institution. Mm -hmm. And uh, t tell us a little bit about the about yeah. the program that you're doing, just just so that we yeah. have an idea of what we're talking about. Yeah, um, absolutely. McGill's a, a great university. It is a large, large university, a yes. research university. And uh, but the the conservatory, the Schulich School of Music, is excellent. And the reason why I chose this, and specifically, really, I didn't. To be honest, I, it's not. I did have a lot of choices because I was looking for very something very specific for my PhD, and McGill was one of the only places in the world in the world really that had it um, because of how McGill is, um, which it's this uh, really large but very connected um, research. 
consortium, um, big hub for medical research, especially, um, but also for a lot of artistic research. And in Canada and in Europe, too, they prize a lot of artistic research just if um, I may say just as much as like scientific research. And that to me was very important because uh, I was looking to do science to scientifically research something artistic, right? So, um, so that's why I'm able to in this interdisciplinary PhD, um, go not only between music research and music performance in the Schulich School of Music, but I also have affiliations with um, the School of, of Communications and, and uh, Hearing Sciences and um, the Biomedical School. And I just started working with an otolaryngologist here um, who's also a private practice as well and uh, the bio biomechanical engineering department. And so like I have, I joke that at any one time I have about like 10 advisors, which I'm so grateful for because you know they're so open here to uh, cross-disciplinary even intra-disciplinary research projects that involve artistic things and what a great way to teach you that in today's research world research is no longer publisher parish it's collaborator parish yes oh, you yeah know? totally and, 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 and that's totally. such an important view that we've learned so well in the u.s Mm -hmm. No. Mm. We Do I not. detect any sarcasm no, we there? <laughs> We're so good at things in academia in the U.S. What are you talking about? We're so open-minded. Sarah, we're so open-minded. You know how open-minded we are yep. about, about interdisciplinary work. I think work. that every day. Yeah, right. Yeah. Anyway, no, 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 no. It's it's thrilling, actually. Okay, so let's let's talk a little bit about this vibrato stuff that you've been on for a while. Because I'll yeah. be honest. Um, uh, I don't know that we've really talked about vibrato as a topical item on Not the podcast. Not really. No, much. I actually, it's funny. I was kind of thinking about that this morning, like looking at some stuff. I was like, you know, to be such a big thing for vocalists, for sure. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's something we all probably think about, talk about, address at some point. Yeah. I don't think we've ever um, discussed it. Well, and I on was on John's initial big project. Yes. I was, I was one of, about that. I was one of the co-authors um, and a data site, co data collection site on John's. I, I remember we sat around. When the heck was that? I don't remember. 20, 20, well, it was published. We sat around at a table at a lunch, and I'm going to say in at POS in 2012, mm -hmm. and um, and we were all like, "Look, we've all got large student populations. Let's all do this basically database of what vibrato is actually hat like." Like basically the premise was what are actual trained students vibrato rates and extents? Like what, yeah. just what are they? Yeah. You know, so that we had some basis of actual, cause you know, up to that point, vocal fam, did you know that in the 1980s, vocal <laughs> pedagogy texts were really good at saying, well, you know, vibrato is four to seven cycles per second. Yeah, cause yeah, it just yeah. is. Yeah. Because, you know, we know that. Yeah. We were really good about statements like that. And so. That's um, nice. But, but no, it was good. John, John organized us, and then there was a group of us that did a paper. We published that paper, actually, I think, actually was in print finally in, like, 2015, because things mm -hmm. take forever, mm -hmm. as you were just saying about your paper yes. with, with, <laughs> yeah. you know, with Christian. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, so anyway, that, that's out there. John Nix was the lead author on that, and he was, of course, just on the Nats chat with Theodora yeah. um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, which is on YouTube. If you go back to Nats chats, and yeah, what was the actual title of that chat? Remind me. Um, a balance in the force. 
I'm gonna say that Joshua Glass. Totally, it was yeah, it was John and Josh who created yeah. that, mm-hmm. and we we're like absolutely yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, the Ahsoka trailer did drop today. We're gonna talk about that later. Um, okay. Go ahead. So tell us about your work with Vibrato yeah. and and what you've been doing and what you are yeah. gonna be doing. Yeah. Well, it's actually interesting. I'm um, going back through John. Josh and I um, are going back through the big data set that, that you guys had just to reanalyze it kind of with my variability measures. So no! yeah, I'm, listening, <laughs> I'm listening to your voice. <laughs> Actually, <right. laughs> oh, I'm like, okay, now sustain <laughs> yes, this pitch. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's smart. I mean, if you have a really big pool, which because I know that's yes, something we talk yeah. about a lot is that so often we yeah. don't have yes. tools. No, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually one of the largest, we should, uh, we should try to codify this, but it is, uh, I do believe it is probably one of the largest databases for like this demographic, like the, the college age singing demographic, probably in, in a lot of voice science, because we don't have large sample. That's actually no. a big issue. Um, we don't have large sample sizes. So. I wish it would have gotten a little bit more attention than it even received, yeah. because yeah. like, it was a thing. It was four universities. Yeah, and, yeah. And, it's a and, lot and, of data. Yeah. It's, a, it's a really great data. But um, but my so my my research actually kind of takes off from from John's, I guess, and where where others left off to really look in in a zoomed in version of vibrato as it exists beyond the general metrics that we report it with. So rate and extent are very common metrics that we use and that can be indicative of um, kind of uniform, consistent, persistent, and uh, regular vibrato. And those can work if that is the vibrato type. But if the vibrato type uh, is not those things, which it is very commonly not even in classical singing, to be honest, like mm-hmm. it, in, in a lot of um, stylistic choices that classical singers make early music, contemporary music, like there's so many sub subgenres, substyles, and then different traditions. We, we haven't, there are some, um, there's actually a list in this Journal of Voice article that um, from a literature review that I did of like CCS studies done on vibrato in CCM. So beside anything kind of besides classical. Um, and there is, but they're usually singular. So there'll be like one for, um, you know, jazz maybe and one for musical theater and one for um byzantine uh chanting and one for chinese like pecking opera and that's it so there's not a lot that's been done outside of which is which is also not unusual for for voice science currently but um i wanted to see what vibrato was like when it wasn't just an average of rate and extent and it wasn't between four and seven you know uh, hertz and it wasn't you know plus minus however many cents because it's not Uh, in the real world our lived experience it's it's just not Um, humans humans are organic as it exactly humans are imperfect and that's what's beautiful about music i mean not to make it super philosophical but that is what is what is beautiful um so my research looks into the, the time varying aspects of vibrato. So I'm looking at variability. Um, I played around with a few measures, looked, started with coefficient of variation in a study that I did um, at NEC uh, with classical uh, jazz and musical theater singers singing the same repertoire so that it was kind of like uh, style agnostic and singing vocal exercises. 
And I found that um, from that, I found that jazz singers had the most variation uh, mm. from that group, which makes sense, you know. Yeah. Totally. Um, but then when I looked into the individual, spent a lot of time on Pratt and Mojis <laughs> and different platforms, like zooming and in, looking into the individual um, vibrato uh, shapes and patterns, as I call them, I mm. found that there was that that also wasn't accurate because really anything that we are kind of making a blanket statement with or because we're humans, we like to group things. So we like to categorize them. Um, but that category didn't even fit with most of the the different opera singers or uh, uh, musical theater singers as individual vibrato shapes and sizes. They were they were also very varied just as much as the jazz. So even though the jazz on average had the most variation of those groups, um, that wasn't the case with musical theater singers there, as we know, in kind of general performance practice, their extents. So that's how, how much the, the frequency is fluctuating um, in uh, were like increasing over time much more than at the jazz singers is or the opera singers. So in that case, they had a lot of variability. And then I looked into some of the opera singers and some of the really stylistic things that they did, especially in between pitches um, and things like that. There was a lot of variability in there too. So what I did was I borrowed some models from biochemistry that show different phases. Um, they're usually used in um, kind of pharmacokinetics, so, so drugs, um, to show different phases of um, like, you know, half-life and things like that. Sure. And I, I try to apply it and see, okay, well, will this work if I try to take this, this beautiful looking vibrato contour and I, and it's all varied and it has different parts and phases. And I apply this model to it so that I can actually see in detail which parts are kind of lower extent, which part is the transition and which part is higher extent or even back down or does it vary in multiple waves? So it's not just an S curve, it can be kind of an M curve. And I found a lot of um, uh, models that, that, that can represent, accurately represent this natural vibrato that's found in the wild. So, yeah. So, um, we did just to cover a couple of things mm -hmm. there. Um, we we've we've thrown out a lot of terminology already. Yes. <laughs> um, we, you kind of defined extent. So mm -hmm. extent of vibrato is how far the swing is going away exactly. from the mm -hmm. center frequency. Yes. Sure. Sure. Right. Mm -hmm. We we've kind of talked about rate, which was mm -hmm. how many occurrences cycles. Yeah. and cycles of that uh, swing are happening per second. Mm -hmm. I would like you to find the word coefficient. coefficient. Use the word coefficient. Okay. So coefficient is, <laughs> that's a good, good question. Coefficient is basically, um, well, I'll talk about coefficient of variation because it's yes. mostly a statistical measure. So sure. um, basically the coefficient of variation measures how much something varies and it's standard deviation. Many people maybe know standard deviation. Yes. Standard deviation is how much it deviates. So how much it varies over the mean. So it's just a more accurate standard deviation measure. I get very particular about my measures. I mean, and Josh, Josh and I have talked about this. We, we wrote a little article about it as well um, in, in Pava's informant about reporting metrics and a lot of times 
things have been actually inconsistently reported, even rate and extent, extent especially in voice science and vocal pedagogy literature. And a lot of people use standard deviation just as kind of a general statistical measure, but it's not as robust as coefficient of variation because it takes standard deviation and basically um, compares it at each point in time, like at a slice in time. And if you can't tell already, I'm very much into the like, but is it really accurate and true and representative? And are we just, you know, making a kind of blanket um, statement with a measure just because we like to categorize things and sure. put them neatly in boxes and tie them up with a bow? But you know anyway. what? You're, but I think the important thing to realize, if Vocal Fam, is that that you're actually out there doing the work. And, and I'm so glad that there are people like you and Joshua in our field and, 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 and others who understand these statistical measurements and actually are trying to put some robust things, but who are also singers and who also, I just, I, I'm, I'm so thankful for all of you um, yeah. in, in general, Indeed. because like, I, I'm, a, I'm a mess when it comes to stuff like statistics. <laughs> I count on Joshua to, to yeah. run statistics. Well, and, yeah. Well, and knowing Jeez. what your best measurements are going to be to describe yeah. what you're actually looking at. Well, yeah, and that's yeah, been yeah. a huge yeah. problem in our field of, yeah. of looking at singing voice research has been a lot of the time, as you kind of just said about, uh, about you know, it, we're not using the right measurement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even sometimes. Like an average sounds nice, but you, not everything's averages. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So, where do you think you're going to head with this with with this with this work? I mean, like what are you yeah. what are you looking at? I mean, in terms yeah, of Yeah, I know you mentioned you're in like and you've moved on to another phase of the study. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have, over the summer, I also gathered more, uh, because it was during COVID, like in my master's, I wasn't able to gather more genres and then just mm -hmm. kind of Western ones. So over the summer, um, went to Europe, went to the Middle East and gathered like field research style, a lot of different styles of singing. So I've been analyzing those for the, for the past year and seeing different um, kind of models and measurements that can fit for these, uh, for, for these different types of vibrato and archetypes. But now I'm really interested in looking at vibrato kind of, um, well, I, and I think it's really important as I found that we actually over-focus on frequency. Uh, this kind of harkens back to Ian's, like the transient theory, but we over-focus on frequency a lot in singing uh, science, voice science. And there are so many other things besides frequency, um, including amplitude, right, intensity, um, pressure, uh, and then also tying in the big question that everybody always asks me and anybody else who researches vibrato, which is, okay, but how do we make vibrato? Is it made? Is it natural? And uh, applicable things in the voice studio. So those things really do interest me beyond looking into the zoomed in version. And I think the zoomed in version actually made me even further interested in those because I was finding that, you know, there were also different um, areas of, of intensity that I wasn't able to measure um, at the time that, that I, I'm really, really uh, stuck on measuring now uh, because in a lived experience of a singer and a teacher, many times they are pointing to kind of the amplitude variation or what we see as like breath pressure, something to do with breath um, as the volitional underpinning of vibrato and the volitional underpinning of like 
honestly making sound. And there are so many people that point to that first, um, even though it's a very complex interaction, as we know, we'll track all that stuff, but they point to that first. And if I have to, to be a real researcher, I want to follow kind of the, the also lived experience, even anecdotal evidence, empirical evidence of people and myself as well. Um, so I'm really interested in going into this biomechanical realm. And I, I am now doing some, the, the next phase of my study is um, with different singers who are singing different types of vibrato, all types of different singers, trying to get those singers um, from different traditions as well to come in um, and sing also the, you know, their repertoire, just how they sing um, to, to scope them a little bit, actually. We're trying to scope cool. them, look at like what the vocal tract is doing, the dynamics of that, um, and then ask them and their teachers, um, what, how do you think you are producing the vibrato? What are you doing? Um, looking at it um, probably through video chemography because we need like a, a high speed version to really see what's happening. Otherwise, everything is moving at once right. with vibrato. Um, and also really, really insistent upon taking this um, amplitude measurement or this, this intensity measurement so that I, we can really look at kind of the underpinnings of vibrato and then what happens when different things either get in the way, like tensions, or when it's purposeful and it's volitional and it's part of the style. Um, so, so yes, so that's what I, I'm... So I have two <laughs> thoughts about what you just said. One is I think vibrato is the perfect example uh, particularly based on everything you just said, based uh, it's the perfect example of how in our field, when I present things to class now, mm -hmm. I try to say, we think that this is what's happening. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, yes, yeah. 50 years from now, yeah, who knows if this is actually going to be yeah. what is actually yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, because when I was coming up, and I'm glad that I think the field is shifting to more of that attitude in general, mm -hmm. because I remember when I was coming up, it was like, well, there's the formant. Yeah. And I was sure. like, oh, okay, well, there's the formant. So that's the formant. There it is. So there it is. <laughs> and um, it's like a little kid being like, there's red. Yeah. And particularly on. on what is red? Would what say, is, yeah, know? yeah. <laughs> And does red actually exist? Does it exist? Is your red my red? Is yeah. your, and as a colorblind yeah, person, that's red. a question that exactly. very much matters Yeah, to me. totally. But also, more topically in this perspective, I am very glad that you're looking at vibrato because mm -hmm. in your story about, you know, uh, your own singing journey, mm -hmm. I, one of my things as a teenage singer was that I did not have a natural vibrato. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I have no, a not, lot of students I'm, that also, yeah. that, that's one of the first, actually, that's Dang. one of the things they stress over when yeah. we go to sing, when they go to sing something that's Western classical style, because most of the people I teach, that's not their primary style they sing in. And they're like, but what about my vibrato? And I'm like, look, look, we'll just leave that. Don't, mm. don't, don't stress over that for now. Don't like, don't try to make that happen. Yes. But it is like, it, it really causes them so much stress like that is one of the first things they bring up yeah yeah and it's i can remember in my own training only maybe doing an exercise one specifically to maybe try to elicit vibrato 
Mm. Like just mm. thinking about my entire history of my singing training, I I don't know. Kind of pointing back to the thing of like you know we think a lot of times voice teachers think anecdotally that it has something to do with breath or, or whatever mm -hmm. or air sure. or, or, or what mm. have you. But maybe it's much more complex than that. Maybe mm -hmm. there's you know far more to it than that. Whereas I can remember in my singing training doing boatloads with vocal tract shaping yeah. and management of airflow, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. etc. But only maybe literally a single exercise directly related to mm -hmm. trying to give me a vibrato. Yeah, Interesting. yeah. That's a big thing. That's actually a part of part of my comps, my PhD comps, um, is 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 diving into that because so many times, uh, especially for singing teachers, I actually have a survey that's out that I would love your vocal fry fam to take. But um, but what Please. I'm finding yeah. so far yeah. from it, yeah, um, what I'm finding so far from it is that many teachers are. Um, implicitly not explicitly addressing vibrato mm -hmm. and i know that from my experience you're saying that from your experience um they because it's this kind of like mysterious nebulous like oh we don't know i mean the closest model that we have is ingo Tietze's reflex right. resonance model which is excellent yeah. uh, mm -hmm. we have a lot more done in now the neurological side of the rosemary lester smith and um and we have a lot more with airflow vibrato with um from Cher's lab uh non Moody and and him did a study on this but but still it's this at the end of all of those it's always this we need more research we're not exactly sure what this complex interaction is so of course voice teachers are I think it's natural that they're going to only implicitly address it because it's not an explicitly known <laughs> phenomenon so yeah but I do find it really interesting that and John has a few exercises that he's um published on kind of um, kind of bringing out the vibrato but many times for a lot of the teachers it seems to be a kind of a byproduct of a functional coordinated technique um, and but it's a question that singers have it's oh, no, a question yeah no it's a real thing though that's a that's an issue like it's a real for me, question there's the saying, rub so. well that's a, well and I think also, because like, I think I definitely, like, mm. I know my own personal approach is a more implicit over explicit. I don't think at any point I've been like, okay, let's make this happen. Because I think I have this more, it's more anecdotal than any proof, but that like when students do tend to, when they get focused and thinking about it, they just end up tensing yes. or, you know, other, other issues creep in mm -hmm. because they're trying to make it happen. So, so I just deal with it, yeah, implicitly. It's yeah. fine. So, mentioning that you didn't have vibrato naturally, I distinctly remember the first time I had heard the word vibrato, because mm. I was in seventh grade, and I didn't take voice lessons at the time because I was, I don't know, I was in seventh grade. You were in just seventh grade. I just <laughs> wasn't doing, just wasn't doing that yet. Um, but. But I was in my church choir, and as a part of it, there was something like loved my church choir director he's a phenomenal person definitely had a huge impact on me but he offered to do little voice lessons sometimes during the summer and so it was the first voice lesson i'd ever taken i was super excited i think i was gonna sing the national anthem at something and so he was offering to help me with that and he said that i had vibrato and i didn't that was a totally new term to me and he kind of explained a little bit what it was and i was like oh 
So this is a good thing. Oh wow, <laughs> I can sing now. Oh and that became like a oh huge, boy. I was like, okay, vibrato is good. I'm going to have this. I'm going to have <laughs> this. To Which share, probably explains a lot about me. I have, <laughs> funny, I have to share a funny anecdote about this. Yeah. My only studio recording that I've ever done is a recording of Mancinelli's Paolo e Francesca. Ooh. Which is, we did the U.S. premiere of. That's deep cut. And in fact, it's available on the Albany label. I was twenty. Ooh, I was twenty-one when I recorded it. Mm -hmm. So don't expect a lot, vocal fam. That'll be great. The one review that we got, and I don't remember if it was opera, something or other, or something mm -hmm. or other, or something. Sure. Who knows? Lord knows. <laughs> it was it was two thousand and four, whatever it was. Um was complimenting my singing, but that I come from the school of vibrato is a good thing. Look. In a verismo uh, opera. And my teacher at the time goes, I think that's a compliment. <laughs> sure. I, I w seventh grade Sarah would have thought so. Seventh grade Sarah, that became like my whole worldview was, ah, vibrato. To the point, it's yeah. probably why for years I thought I couldn't like belt or anything because I was like, but the vibrato. But the that's vibrato. vibrato. So that's interesting that your church uh, choir director said that, you know, it's great vibrato, though, because we have experiences where a lot of people, you know, singing in church choir, choirs especially, I think, are, you know, well, it's vibrato another, no camp. It's an interesting <laughs> thing that I've... Thing. That's, that's true. A lot of choirs do go for a more yeah, straight tone, sure. pure thing. Um, yes, and a lot of my of the school choirs I was a part of mm -hmm. I had that experience yeah. but the church I went to it was a more like it wasn't super traditional it was it was yeah. blended I think is what they were the term they use so there was a lot of different styles they did a lot of um kind of pseudo gospel type things and so no that's great I think that's really important for a young singer because I mean so many times like the lived experiences of others are, yeah. are the opposite you know and they get into then classical singing and they have compensatory things but um i think that maybe your uh nick your the reviewer must have been like related to there were um these two frederick neumann and gable yes um who like in the early if you've heard of the vibrato wars which was mostly kind of a <laughs> contentious thing um debate that was happening in in music history and musicology in the 1900s surrounding especially surrounding like historical performance practice and oh. this idea of like rid of vibrato or having vibrato or like bruce haynes and end of early music calls vibrato the msg like the artificial artificial salt of music um so the viewer is probably fantastic. related I love oh that. yeah oh yeah yeah and i'm not not surprising either like i totally yeah. buy that yeah but if it's you a have huge too thing. much of it yes you, you have tummy problems exactly and so maybe it's the same thing ah, <laughs> ah, okay. so, yeah uh, you know it's interesting on what sarah said uh, do you think that you'll you well let, let's actually just say this based on your mm -hmm. knowledge of the literature is there such a thing as a straight tone in a human voice no <laughs> i'll say yeah, that it's a pretty definitive answer yeah. actually yeah um no. that that's one thing we actually do know yeah sure. yeah it does not um, exist <laughs> I, I am interested you know because a lot of voice teachers do get concerned i think a lot of times particularly western classical voice teachers about mm -hmm. like the the requirement of straight tone singing in in the mm -hmm. choral setting 
mm-hmm. you know, um, do, I don't know. Do you think your work will ever cross sect with that issue? Yeah, those are are tricky waters to get into, but I would like to. <laughs> I really, I would. Great I do answer. think that I would like to. <laughs> no, but I get it. I get it. It's a hot topic. Like, it's yeah, yeah, a yeah, yeah, yeah. Controversial. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and and I think the reason why I would like to, and I'm really hoping that's why getting into the biomechanics of it is important for me as a singer um, and and as a teacher, and I think is is probably kind of the the applicable. Uh, part of this because I'm hoping that the implications of the studies that I'm doing now and that I'm I'm looking at it both from a perceptual perspective but also from a um, from a like physiological perspective can quell this a little bit because yeah. I think that it is it is um, a bit heated it's loaded and I don't think it has to be. And I think there are things that we don't know, obviously, that I'm hoping to to contribute to and find out. But uh, I do not think that it's a you know binary, straight yeah. tone bad, vibrato good, vib- lots of vibrato bad, middle vibrato good. Like that's not no. Well, and you <laughs> so. know, it might be an interesting thing. I remember we were at a meeting, and 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 Scott McCoy was talking about this issue, and he was like, you know, look there are people who like sing Palestrina easier than they sing Verdi. Yes. Just like there are people who sure. sing Puccini easier than yeah. they sing uh, Richard Rogers. Yes. And, and um, you know, they're kind of, at the time, it's not this way anymore because they've lost so many faculty and the program has changed, but when he was at Ohio State, they were treating choral singing uh, personnel basically like orchestral personnel. Whereas mm-hmm. if you, you know, if you're a trumpet player, you don't play usually every piece on an orchestra concert. You play the pieces you're needed for that require yeah. that whatever. That Where, makes sense. And basically they were saying, if we're doing Palestrina, we'll take the 16 voices that do Palestrina well. If we're mm-hmm. doing the Verdi Requiem, we'll take the, all the voices with big vibratos that can do the Verdi Requiem. Honestly, I, li- I love that. Y- yeah. I mean, it, 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 I mean, it, um, but I, I, you know, it kind of reflects what you're saying though, in that there's just so much variability in it because yes. we're all different different bodies. Yes, and variability in how you're producing it. So I would ask like, how are you produ- That's the, the big question is like, how is it being produced? How is this body um, producing it versus this body? And maybe this body, the second one has, has some compensatory tension, but the first one, absolutely not. You know, they can go singing on forever and ever. Um, especially this summer when I was, so I'm originally Bulgarian and I was, I was in Bulgaria and, and their vocal technique for a lot of the folk singing and especially women's choir singing that a lot of people know is like high laryngeal position, um, per- perceptively straight tone because it doesn't actually exist other than, right. you know, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> perceptible. Um, and then a lot of ornaments, like a lot of ornaments, a lot of like goat trills or trillo or kind of like what we would cool. call in Western stuff. and. And I was just thinking about that. Uh, there have been some early studies done with Bulgarian singers scoped, but you know they can sing for hours and hours and hours. And because Bulgarian tradition, they can sing into the night with like good Bulgarian alcohol and a key, and they're fine, like absolutely. And and young, like young singers as well. You know, not children, but like young singers. Yeah, sure. um, so uh, you know, and that's a very different, absolutely, almost like polar opposite uh, acoustic vocal tract shaping tradition than is our um, Western classical. And 
for them, probably a longitudinal study needs to be done, as many do, but there, there is longevity in their voices. They can sing. Yeah. I mean, my great-grandmother actually was one of the first Bulgarian folk singers, and she sang well into her, like, 80s, you know? Well, um, fantastic. I mean, just look at some of the vocalism with vibrato of, of Peking yeah. Opera. I mean, yes. we're talking about people yeah. who sing for hours. Hours long. Ow, but, and with incredible variability yeah, in their... Yeah you know, frequency yeah. fluctuation. Yep. I mean, you know, I remember being in Beijing for the first time and going to see one live mm, and I was just cool. blown away. Yeah. I mean, yeah. by this vocalism that I had never heard live to that point. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I mean, so I, it's not like just doing any of these noise and the human body, I, I don't know that it's capable of making too many noises that if you just make that noise once, you're going to mm -hmm. injure yourself yes. or something. Yeah. No, no. You sure, know, yeah. um, so I, I, oh gosh. And anyway. all of our vocal health literature says, you know, it has to be repeated, continuous, habitual, if it, mm -hmm. you know, um, exactly it has that. to be long, long term. There's the time. Again, the time domain is just really important for so many things. Exactly. <laughs> um, so where can people read your work? If they want to yeah, read anything sure. that you've published or yeah. uh, et cetera. Yeah, um, well, I do have a website that I'm working on restructuring. So Please. it's just my name, Theodora Nesterova. Dot com. Um, I put uh, most of my stuff up there. Um, you can see um, this, the, the study that will just be published in the Journal of Voice. I'm working on one for actually Bulgarian lyric diction and, and Slavic lyric diction for Journal of Singing as well. So um, I'll put those up there. But yes, that's probably a central place where you can find my stuff. And on social media, you can find me. I'm usually one of the only Theodora Nesterovas. So. This this month's featured right. empowered musician. Yeah. Oh yes, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you can see my stuff on there as well. Um, um, and, and the Nats chat is of course available yeah. in the mm -hmm. archive uh, mm -hmm. of Nats chats. I guess it was still the most recent one, or have we passed one now? It is the most recent. Yeah, the next one is on singing now. voice specialist. Yeah, so if you like... go into Nats official YouTube um, and and go up the, to the Nats chats playlist. Mm -hmm. um, it's on there, or if you just go onto the nats.org, you can search it as well. Mm -hmm. um, or if you honestly just put Theodora's name into YouTube, it will probably <laughs> pop up. That sounds right. Not yeah. And Nats or En Vibrato, it will, <laughs> it will, it will pop up. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad you are hooked up with some great people to be doing this work with. I am well. so grateful. I really am. Like being on, I mean, being on here and being on the Nats chat was like, I was just, it was just a dream come true then too, because I've been watching them since I was little. and. Um, just being alongside, you know, John Nix and Josh Glasner and Yvonne Gonzalez Redman and all of the, the greats. Fabulous people. There. Yeah. yeah, just fabulous people. I'm so honored. I really am. I've never heard of any of them. Oh, uh -huh. uh -huh. I think they'll be mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, they're, they're all kidding. great friends of the podcast. Um, and we they love them. Sure I, actually, I actually did a guest lecture for John yesterday in class. Oh, on, on Online teaching. So we had a oh, good time. Lovely. Oh, yes. Uh, Those so, days. <laughs> um, so, Theodora, tell us yes. as we transition yeah. here do you have any pop culture interests that you would oh. like to share with the vocal fam? We're ready. Um, we are. We would love to hear them. <laughs> yeah, I'm not as I'm not as as deep cut as you are. Although um, my partner, my boyfriend's trying to get me into Marvel, and I've I've started with 
you know, I think WandaVision is my entry point. Oh, um, love. Wonderful. I don't know. Is that a good entry point? I don't know I shall about ask entry the point, but I do love it. I don't, I don't okay. know. Maybe we need to go back and like think about like like you know how where we do have, you like, start at this point? You know how point? we have like our you Doctor know. Who entry points? Like sure. where we recommend to people to well, start Doctor so Who. So that's what I was gonna say. Is WandaVision would be nice in that like I don't think you actually need a ton of background knowledge to watch WandaVision. Not not really. You won't get the Easter eggs, but you can watch the show without the Easter eggs. You think eggs. that the emotional tie-in is there without having watched? I don't know. Watch it and tell us okay, if, if you will. feel moved. Because right now my, my main area of expertise is like... So, so psychological thrillers and like oh. any any documentary about uh, okay. cool, <laughs> about cool, cool, murders <laughs> super love. super dark and morose. Um, any documentary about like anybody like just like having a psychotic break and and going berserk and just the dark sides of humanity and i think that comes from my parents because they're um they're eastern european when we moved to the states they didn't and and to the uk to where i was born but they didn't really understand movie ratings or like what they meant they were like what that's oh that means nothing They're like, that's fine. So, like, I was, like, you know, I don't know, like, probably four years old when I watched um, watched Hannibal Lecter with my mom. Oh, my mom. gosh. Was probably, like, I was eight years old when we went to Borat, which is more of the comedy side of things because my parents just, like, Amazing. No, they just said, sure. Yeah, yeah. And they're very much, like, you know, teach through, you know, tough tough lot now <laughs> but it's like Amazing. but it's yeah it's that. formed it's formed i think my uh my love for like morose documentaries love some, tr- love some true crime svu i like like mm-hmm. eat that like popcorn <laughs> did you watch the stephen moffat project with david tennant and stanley yes Tucci? yes uh, why can't i say yeah. the name of it um, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i couldn't tell you because um, i did not watch uh, it uh oh that's terrible Okay, you should. It I know was, what you're talking about. It though. was it was just on Netflix. <clears throat> Sometimes it's four parts with things uh, like that because I love knowing this stuff, but I can't if I watch it, I just won't sleep for weeks. Sure, yeah. So yeah, I yeah. will go and I can't say this is any healthier, but I'll read the like in-depth synopsis because yeah. reading it is okay. Yeah, is okay. So I'll yeah. go and read the Wikipedia Inside page. Man. Inside Man yeah. is really good. Phenomenal. Yes. If vocal really fan, if you've good. not watched Inside really Man, well you want done. a good thriller. It's about, yeah. about four parts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, like most British TV. Sure. And uh, it's <laughs> yes, really, they love a miniseries. <laughs> really phenomenal yeah. miniseries. Yeah. Um, hmm. With really good writing and really good acting, both. Yeah. Uh, worth if you're if you're into that kind of thing. If you're not into thrillers, if you're I would, like me. I would steer clear. Don't do it. Uh, <laughs> But I like documentaries about other things too, like random, very eclectic things, like '90s rappers. I'm really interested. You know, and that all comes from my brother. I don't know. It's just things. The best two document. I'm not really into documentaries. Okay. Not my not my genre. Yeah. But the best two documentaries I've ever seen are the two part Cocaine Cowboys. (gasps) Yeah, those are so good. Yes. Okay. Well, having lived in Miami for a decade of my Ah. life. That's my how wife I see being Miami from now. There, like, I mean, and knowing all the locations yeah. and knowing all the like, huh. what I mean, like, like literally the stories about like people like in Kendall, like mm-hmm. random upper white middle class mm-hmm. people, like people with like millions of dollars of coke hidden in their walls, mm-hmm. like okay, it, like dentist by day, coke smuggler by yeah. night. Like, yeah, I love that. I love that. I love that. I find human nature fascinating. Insane. 
insane, insane. And and I mean, the guys who were hitmen on that show, who they were interviewing and stuff, yeah. just yeah. wild, wild, wild yeah. stuff. And if you've ever lived in Miami, it is even more because you're like, oh, I know where that is. I know where that is. I, 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 I hang out there all yeah. the time. Ah! It's just, uh, it's a, it's a, oh man, documentaries though. But I, anyway, all right. So, um, crazy Sarah. Yes. Did you watch the Ahsoka trailer? No. What is wrong Not, with you? It just dropped. Yes. I, so I got up and I got here. I said, I, yes, but, but what have you been doing with your life the whole last two hours? Well, let me think about it. World doesn't really want to know all that. Actually, part of it, so Jamie's been sick this week, and so I banished him oh. to the upstairs because I don't want it. Oh. Yeah, um, our upstairs is literally just a bedroom and bathroom, and I won't let him come out. So um, I have been, ta- every time he texts me, I'll go, like, fix him a glass of water, and I take it to the top of the stairs, and then I go back down, I text him, I'm like, delivery. So that was my morning, was taking up, like, his medicine. Then he wanted clean clothes. Like, what? Who needs up that? Up and down the stairs. <laughs> How dare he ask for clean clothes? How dare he? <laughs> I mean, that's just But he's been really good. He stayed in his old jail. Mm. He has. Yeah. And I haven't gotten it, so... Thanks. Worth it. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. I think I'm past. I think I'm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm outside the window. Incubation of, period. Yeah. Well, so it was. It's COVID. He had COVID this week, oh, and no. I tested this morning. I haven't seen him in over five mm. days. I tested this morning, negative. So great. Knock on wood. I think I'm outside of the period of being yes. able to get it now. Yeah. Yep. But he's been really good about it. He stayed in his little jail, and sometimes I feel bad about it. He's literally he has literally not left fine. that room in days. Now I don't think he's felt like leaving that room. Yeah. But Well anyway. Maybe he's so been watching he's watched the trailer. That's, he's probably watched the trailer. Probably to be completely honest. Well because anyway, he doesn't have much else. Well, on I the guess Ahsoka trailer. Watch the Ahsoka trailer, I will. Fam. I will too, out of solidarity. John, John, <laughs> yes. John Favreau said that Dave, this is Ahsoka will be Dave Filoni's magnum opus, mm. and based on the trailer, I, it has to be. I am very excited. Um, Love Ahsoka. Happy to get more cow. on that. We do get a screenshot of Thrawn. Amazing. So, um, not from the face. Not from the. That's okay. But from the the back. world is probably going crazy already. Yeah, we do mm. get a screenshot I of Sabi- we do get Sabine Wren on camera. So, oh, yay. So. Okay. Well, I'm very excited. I will watch it. I just didn't this morning. Very excited. And if you're not caught up with the Mandalorian vocal fam, what are you doing? Uh, let me tell you what. I am in solidarity with my husband and waiting let me tell you until what. he's out of prison. Oh, then I'm not going to say anything to not don't, spoil yeah, anything. Don't. I haven't oh, seen boy. this week. And you've Although, not seen this week's Picard yet either? No, because I'm waiting on him to come oh, out of COVID jail. Oh, I can't talk about anything. As soon as he's... Oh, I'm sorry. Gosh. I'm sorry. So, yeah. But I have a good reason. Uh, I was not going to leave him behind and watch it without him. Uh, I could have. I could gosh. have. But I didn't. Because I'm a good wife. Focal fam, what are we doing? <laughs> Okay, I, I, I know we all have other things to get onto in our day. Theodore, thank you so much for making Yay. time for the Vocal Fam. Thank you all. I'm so um, yes. and And please, listen, Vocal Fam, I, I have, this will definitely not be her last time on the show because um, she's going to keep doing great work and, and, and we're going to have her back on because I just know that we will. Um, I, I'm interested <laughs> to hear eventually your, uh, y'all's reanalysis of our vibrato yeah. data yeah. set. Yeah. I'm super uh, excited when, about When it. is that being presented the first time? <laughs> oh, well, we're... Well, do you all even know? We don't know yet. So I'm okay. still in okay. amidst, still amidst analysis. Yeah, but um, but soon. And we want to have kind of a more, just like this, like more discussions, more of the Nats Chats um, uh, style things on vibrato bringing in 
experts from 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 different um, slices of, of their pie, right, in, in yeah. this field, because I think it's important. So oh, of course. Sure. Yeah. Okay, well, we will look forward to that data set uh, yeah. analysis with yeah. with anticipation. Yes. Um, all right. So Vogel Fam, that's it. Are, do we have anybody next week? No, right? No, I think it's just us. Woo! Yay! Great. So Vogel Fam, I think we can record next week. We're so, a fun crew. So, so we'll be back with you next week. Um, and then we'll probably have a couple of weeks off because I'm going to be out. Um, Someone's all like doing an opera or whatever. Uh, listen, Ooh. let me tell you what. Let me tell you what, Vogel fam. Ooh, I sing in Mem German. Memorize. No, it's in, it's in English. <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh right, I forgot y'all are doing it in English. It's Deflator Mouse. Memor it's not on me for thinking German. Let me tell you what. I I'm there now, but memorizing my fourth different English translation of Flater Mouse post forty was oh, like wow. good. You know, God. you should do it. There are studies that show you should do it with uh, physical exercise. Your uh, motor neurons I, like fire that way. That's so I've, I've done that. Stuff. Really good. Yeah, yeah I, I do it while I run. Good. I've done it while skating because figure skating is my thing. So I'll like I'll bring what? it up in my head. <laughs> I'll skate. Yeah, because be like the face. the motion. The motion. How was figure skating not your reference? Like that. I don't that, know. That's, that's not so really fancy. pop culture. Oh that's come random. on! But that's, I mean that's amazing. How culture. long did you figure skate? Um, like your whole well, life? I was, yeah, I was competitive in high school. I actually oh, had to choose between figure skating and and music, and I chose figure skating because I didn't want to anyway figure skating is also very an interesting field you know i don't want to retire at, at 25 and and not have and like body like ruin yeah. my body and yeah. things like yeah. that so yeah yeah talk about a biomechanics study though yes yes holy cow wow. like whoa figure skating figure skating you should try it with the the but like long running too but walks also help sure. like there's something about long motion i was just reading a study yeah. about that yeah. Long no, that's that's definitely Good. how I memorized I the Puccini walk, last so. year was was doing it while I ran for <laughs> wow. sure. Wow. Cool. For sure. That's cool. Anyway, all right, Theodore, thank yes. you so much. Thank you. That's it Thanks. for us. Uh, Sarah, what you have for breakfast? Oh, baked oatmeal. Baked Ooh. oatmeal. Baked. That's like the we're, we're coming out of Cheerios. Yeah, yeah, I'm tired of Cheerios. I didn't want any more. So yeah, baked oatmeal this week. It was delicious. Great, fantastic. All that's right, vocal fam. That's oh, it for us. You. We're out. <laughs> Thanks. Peace. Woo. Bye. Bye. <laughs>